Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. Scripture in this morning will come from Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I have already attained, or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. All right, again, I want to say good morning to everybody. It's great to see you here, and thank you, Mark, for that reading. And uh, take your Bible today and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we'll be there in just a little bit. We did have a great time at polishing the pulpit and uh, heard so many lessons, and uh, just we will field spiritually, and I hope the next year, if you didn't have a chance this year, that you can go and enjoy that as well. I also understand that several people uh, that went to Polish in the Pulpit uh, got some kind of sickness and cold or something else, I'm not very sure. And Lynn uh, texted me yesterday, he said, uh, you know, he said, uh, I got a sore throat and I'm a little achy. He said, but I'm 80%, I think I'll preach tomorrow. On two hours later, he texted me back, he said, I'm at the doctor, I'm feeling terrible. (laughs) So... um, so things change quickly, and so I think he's got a COVID test, and he's still feel, feeling very poorly. But we sure love Glenn, and he's one of the great gospel preachers of our generation, and uh, we just uh, pray that he will uh, get better very soon. I want to ask you a question this morning as we begin. Have you ever said something that you later regretted? Well, if I re- ask you to raise your hand, some of you would raise both hands, as I would have to. Somebody said, if you speak when you're angry, you will make the best speech you will ever regret. And I guess that's true, isn't it? But while most of us say and do some things that we let a regret, we can go to a person, we can apologize, go before our Heavenly Father and repent and ask His forgiveness, and there is no uh, lasting effects other than we're more careful about speaking before we put our brains in gear, right? That's kind of the way that is. But did you know that there are times when getting beyond regrets seem insurmountable, if not impossible? Perhaps you have done or said things that have had lasting consequences that even haunt you to this day as you are sitting here in this worship service. That no matter how you try to suppress that thought, that memory, or push it out of your mind, it doesn't go away. It keeps intruding back into your mind, and, and over and over, there are the painful memories last. What is regret? Well, from a, a simple working definition, it is an adverse uh, emotion. It is the stress of a mind over something that happened in the past that we wish, we wish so bad that we could go back and change and fix and correct. But so many times we cannot. 
It often occurs when the situation that is remembered is something that is beyond human repair. And so guilt goes with it and sorrow is associated because there's no way to go back and make done things undone, is there? And so only the pain remains. For some of you this morning, you'll say, you know, I really don't have any regrets. So I really don't know what you're talking about. Others of you know it very well because you live it. But let me give you some ideas. Perhaps you feel as though you somehow failed as a parent and you have regrets. Maybe you did something to uh, terminate a relationship that now you realize meant a whole lot more to you now than it did at the time and you have all kinds of regrets. Maybe, just maybe, you sinned in some way that you not only hurt yourself, but you hurt other people and you hurt them deeply and you have sorrow upon sorrow. Complicated and compounded is the fact that that those people that you hurt will no longer have nothing to do with you. And you know what? You can't blame them. And so these kinds of situations can make a Christian absolutely miserable, miserable, even when there has been true and genuine repentance. Can a child of God have those kinds of regrets? Absolutely. I mean, a child of God can have these kind of regrets. It spends sometimes weeks and months and years and decades. And what do they do? They rehearse the guilt. They torment themselves with questions that can only be answered by speculation. So how does a Christian go about coping with guilt and regrets of the past when nothing can be done to change those things? I want to say if there was ever a man in the Bible that had the potential to have guilt and sorrow and remorse and regret in his life, it would be the Apostle Paul, would it not? You remember that he, in the prime of his youth, was someone who was a great persecutor of God. During that bloody era of his life, you remember how he tried to destroy the church of God, something for which he had much regret later in his life. But I want to ask you a question. Was Paul a miserable old man, paralyzed by guilt and remorse? He was nothing of the sort. You say, well, Paul, how do you explain that? How did he do it? How did he cope? Let me give you a little bit of disclaimer before we jump into this. If there is something that you have done in the past for which you have terrible remorse and regret, and there is still something you can go back and do to fix the circumstances, do it as quickly as you can before the opportunity vaporizes. Do it quickly. Maybe there is a relationship in your life and you're estranged from somebody in your own family. Maybe you're estranged from someone in the the Lord's body, your brother or sister, and you're too proud to go back and make that thing right. My friend, you need to repent of your pride and fix that thing as quickly as you can. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23? He said there, if you're making an offer, you've got your gift there at the altar, you remember that your brother has something against you? He said, you leave that gift before the altar and you go first be reconciled to your brother. You see, there is an immediacy in the mind of God about reconciliation, and it should be in our minds as well. 
I read uh, here a few days ago about a man, uh, happened back in, I think, 2010, 2011, when he was a young man in the 1940s, he stole $10 from a cash register at the Sears department store with which he was working. Many years had passed, and he decided one day that he was going to fix that. So he put a $100 bill into an envelope and a note, and he left it at a Sears outlet store. I think it was a Sears outlet appliance store in Seattle, Washington. And he left it there, and he walked away. It was an unintended cash register. Nobody saw, nobody knew, but someone found it. Matter of fact, the security cameras saw the whole thing, right? And, and the manager knew who the man was, but vowed that he would never disclose that person or that footage, that video. The man who left the money and the note was 97 years old. But you know what? What a real man. He made it right. But today, our lessons are about those things that cannot be undone. So take your Bibles where you are in in chapter 1. I want you to go down to verse 12, and that's where we're going to start with our reading today. Verse 12. The Apostle Paul says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. He says, Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first Christ Jesus might show all longsuffering, as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So how did Paul deal with these past regrets? And he had many of them. Well, I want to suggest to you that the words that we have just read contain five very helpful clues. And so if you're taking notes this morning, the first thing that Paul did is that he fully acknowledged his wrong. He fully acknowledged his wrong. Verse 13 says, I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a, another translation says, a violent aggressor. And verse 15 said, I am the chief of sinners. You know, these things had the potential of Paul putting his head down in shame before all of the brethren of that day. But you know what? He put it out there anyway. We gain no ground against regrets and remorse of things we've done in the past by sweeping things under the rug, minimizing things, rationalizing things. We don't. So the beginning of healing happens is when we take some ownership. Full recognition of what we have done in confession and repentance. And so people could read the words that Paul wrote. Maybe he had heard them. Maybe he had heard the, the family members. Maybe the family member was no longer there anymore because they had died. But they could at least read what Paul wrote and know that he was a changed man and that he was truly sorry. I think it's important that we openly acknowledge the wrongs that we have done 
openly when it comes to other people. For a couple of reasons. Number one, I just mentioned, it, it helps us. It helps us in our healing. But the second thing is it acknowledges that God's ways are right and our way was wrong. Anyone who is dealing with past mistakes and regret should go out of their way to make sure that nobody, nobody else trips over that bad example. I mean, that's compounding regrets to watch others repeat mistakes that you and I have made. We need to acknowledge our wrong, to say it what it is. This was wrong. This was evil. This was wicked. It was against God, and I'm sorry I repent. I said that I like about Achan. Achan, did he do wrong? He did. He stole the gold, the silver, the Babylonian garment. He hid it under his tent. He was judged for it. Israel was judged for it. But when it finally came down to the confrontation, there was only him standing before the Lord and Joshua. And Joshua, son, tell me this day this thing that you have done and do not hide it from me. And the Bible says that Joshua spelled out everything he had done. He said, this is what I have done. Sometimes that's so difficult for us to do, but so necessary. This is what I have done. That's what Paul did. He acknowledged his wrong. But the second thing that he did is he sought to receive God's mercy and grace. He sought to receive God's mercy and grace. Sometimes it is impossible for us to get forgiveness for people that we have hurt in the past. It really is. Number one, that individual could be, have passed away and they're no longer alive. You can't fix it. Number two, it would be because somebody that you hurt won't have anything else to do with you. I think both of these circumstances were present in Paul's case and his life. So how did he cope? The answer is very evident to us in the scripture. He went to the source of mercy and peace. He went to his creator. And what did he find there? Well, the text says in verse 16, I found mercy. Verse 14 said, the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. My friend, there is no better place to bring your regrets and your remorse than to your creator. And he fully, fully understands. And when the God of heaven pardons you, my friend, you have been truly pardoned. Isn't that great? But a person will say, but, but Paul, how can God forgive me? Do you know what I have done? If he can forgive the chief of sinners, my friend, he can forgive you. No more precious words in the Bible than in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. It says that in all points he was tempted like we, yet without sin. So God understands. He understands what it's like to be human and the temptations and the testing and the weakness. Yet he was without sin, but he understands. But verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. Write that down, circle that. Mercy. We may receive mercy and grace in time of need. So if you have painful regrets and remorse, take it to the only one who can pardon you, and that is our Creator. I like what 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 13. Three says that he is the father of mercies, the God of all comfort. That's the God that you and I have. 
But today, if you do not know your creator, the road to recovery and your quest for relief has to start there by making peace with him through his son, Jesus Christ, and by obeying the gospel. If you've not done that, I beg of you today that see one of us after this worship service is over and we will sit down and we will study with you so that you can do that. Number three, what is the third thing that Paul did to find relief from his regrets? Number three, he accepted God's service plan for strengthening him. You see, God had a plan for him, a service plan. And it's found in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. I thank Jesus, our Lord, who strengthened me. Do you see that? He strengthened me because he considered me faithful by putting me in the ministry or putting me in to the service. Notice the connection between Christ giving the defeated Saul of Tarsus strength so that he could become Paul the apostle. Strengthening me, he says, putting me into the service. You see, the reason that regrets are so overwhelmingly miserable to us and is because we spend large portions of our day reliving them. Reliving the mistakes and the failures. And this is energy that is misspent. It's wasted effort. It serves only to magnify the helplessness. You see, anything that you dwell on becomes bigger in your life until very soon, what happens? It dominates you and you become obsessed with it. What is the remedy for such destructive activity? You know what? It's a four-letter word. It is not an ugly one. It's W-O-R-K. It's work. That's what it is. It's work. Paul had hurt and destroyed the lives of Christians. What better place to put him into service than, than serving and doing the direct opposite? He tore down the church. He tried to destroy the church. He made havoc of the church. Now he's going to build the church up. What a great concept. But don't get confused about this. This was not some kind of penance or indulgence program. Paul wasn't paying somehow for forgiveness of his sins. He still had to make peace through God, through his Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And he had done that. But get this, that the Lord plays Paul in such a way that every time that he felt a twinge of guilt and regret and negativity, he could channel that into positive service for Jesus Christ. What a powerful principle. Number four, the fourth thing that Paul did to overcome regret of the past. He says, forgetting what lies behind. So there it is. He set out to forget his past. He said, I forget what is past. You say, well, Paul, just how does a person, I'd like to know this, how does a person just go about forgetting the things of the past and the painful memories? It's important to know that when Paul says to forget, he's not talking about his mind being erased of those memories. We know that because he, he writes about it later, right, in his life. So it's not some kind of selective amnesia that he had. Not at all. And while you and I would like to have these memories erased from our minds, it's not likely to have happen in our lifetime. The Greek word that Paul used here to forget doesn't mean wiping from the memory bank. It means to lose out of your mind 
by implication to by neglect. So you do it by neglect. It's the same word used in Matthew chapter 16, verse 5, when the Bible says that the apostles forgot to bring bread. Did they forget about bread? Did they not want to know what bread was anymore? Well, they did when their stomach began to, to rumble, right? It means that they, out of neglect, forgot to bring it. To the painful things in our life, we simply need to get busy and to neglect their memory. Quit bringing them up. Quit thinking about them. Get busy with other things. Become preoccupied in the service of God. You and I both know that one of the best ways for us to overcome our problems is get involved into the lives of other people and help them with their own. This is exactly what Paul is talking about here. People who have too much time on their hands are unhappy people. That's not to say that that we uh, don't need some free time and some leisure and vacation. We do. It needs to be limited time and it needs to be somewhat disciplined time. But we need to make sure that we are busy in, in the work of the kingdom while we're on this earth. This is the reason for which you and I were created. And if you do that, you can neglect your own pain so that it will go away and subside. It's kind of interesting that Paul was a man who was possessed, wasn't he, with Christ. Everywhere he went, he opened his mouth. You couldn't shut him up. You couldn't sink him in the sea. You couldn't stone him. You couldn't beat him to death. He wouldn't go away. Isn't that great? He turned his life around and was busy. The fifth thing that Paul did to keep these past regrets in the past is he kept God's great and most noble goal always before his mind. Philippians, again, says, I press on toward the goal to the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. So he had plenty of things that he could fret over, plenty of things that would keep him awake at night because of regret, but he became obsessed with the potential he had with God. He took what God and Christ gave him and he ran with it. He really did. He ran with it. He went as far as he could go in this life. He pressed the cause of Christ wherever he went. And you know what? Would you say that Paul was passive about his faith? Oh no, we would say that he was very active about his faith. And that's what we need to do in our faith in our own lives. There was a young boy that started in a mailroom of a uh, large corporation. He ended up becoming the president. When somebody asked him about his incredible rise in the company, he said, how did you do it? And this is how he responded. He said, I put my soul into it. He put his soul into it. That's what the Apostle Paul did. And that's what we need to do. When we put our souls into the cause of Christ, there is no more room for pity parties. And woe is me, and I'm the victim. We become a champion for God in Christ. So let us get busy into the kingdom of God, into the lives of others. There was a lady in a little Chinese community who lost her son, and she was devastated. She was overcome with grief. And she she went to this holy man, and she said, you know, I I, I can't live anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't get up and face the day anymore. He said, well, what I want you to do is I want you to go into the house of this village 
and I want you to find a mustard seed in a house that has known no grief. And so there she went from house to house, talking to people and asking if they had had grief. And of course, every house that she went to had grief. And, and they would, she would console them and they would console her. And she went house to house to house. And of course, there was no house in the village that did not have grief. But through that process, she was healed. That's the way it is. It's impossible to generally help somebody else without helping yourself. It really is true. So if you're in the kingdom of God and you're sitting on the sidelines eating up with past mistakes and, and guilt, will you get busy? Mark Bailey and I, this kind of thing that we do at West Huntsville, we help people find jobs to do, right? We put you to work, and and many of you can attest to that. I am not shy about coming up to you asking you, would you like to do something? Would you like to teach a class? Would you like to be in charge of this work? But if you're not busy, please come to one of us, and we'll help you get busy in the kingdom of God. We appreciate you so much. If there's some way that we can help you in your journey with Christ this morning, we would love to. If you're not a Christian, would you become a Christian today? What was it that Ananias told Saul? What did he say? Arise and be baptized, washing away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Will you do that today? If you need to repent of your sins, please come as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.